0: Welcome to the Daily Boogie.
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome. Thank you so much for joining us for the second show of 2019. Actually, uh, 2019, holy shit. <laughs> Remember 2019? Remember how good 2019 was? <laughs> Quit living in the past, man. You're living in the past. It is a brave new world now. 2020. It's a brave new world. There's an election on the horizon and a mushroom cloud. (laughs) I can't wait, personally. Fuck them. Fuck them all. Bomb everyone. Fuck it. Who cares? I don't care. (laughs) The second show of 2020. I'm going to make this announcement before every show in 2020. Second, third, and that will be it. Then the show will be over. Thank you for joining us. Go, Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us on the second show for 2020, the second edition of the Daily Boogie podcast. It's an absolute pleasure to be with you here today once again. Thank you so much for jumping in. Thank you for sharing the show out got plenty to get through what a strange day today was what a what a horrifyingly bizarre surreal day and again like you know before before i even get too far into tonight's program uh i'm gonna say this i'm gonna put this out as a caveat uh somebody got in touch with me yesterday and we were having a we were having a conversation on twitter and uh, this person, I'm not going to reveal who it is, but this person said to me, you know, like, I, man, I really respect you, you know, sticking to your guns on the Iran thing. I really respect that. And I'm like, well, that's, I've, I've got to be me, you know, if I can't be me, then I'm not going to do the show. So whatever happens, what happens, it's, it's out of my control. And uh, this person said, well, you know, I noticed that you had a lot less, lot less in the audience yesterday. <laughs> I said yeah I, I notice, I don't care. I don't care. you know I'm not, I'm not doing this. yeah, it's again, like if I wanted to put on a suit and wear a tie and do the standard you know GOP establishment kind of talking points on any particular topic, I could do it and probably do it far better than the people who do it. be far more believable, but I don't want to do a show like that. I've been invited before to do like, uh, you know, hits on other programs and on other networks and stuff. And I've had to say, no, thank you. No, thank you. I've been invited onto shows that have like 10, 20 times the audience that this one does. Sorry. I can't. Oh, why not? Well, I just don't think it'd be the right fit. I'm a foreigner who says inappropriate things from time to time and sits in the shadows. You're doing a legitimate, you know, conservative-minded uh, podcast. It's, it doesn't work. So I'm going to do me. You do you. Good luck. But I'm going to do me. So the person said to me, you know, well, that takes balls to, like, lose audience in order to stick to your principles and stick to your guns. And I'm like, not really. I, I don't see it. I don't have a choice. Because if I don't if I don't stick to who I am if I don't stick to my guns then what am, what the fuck am I doing this for right I may as well quit I may as well pack it up. In saying that, um, <laughs> it's about time we all got behind uh, the president and more broadly the United States. It's about time. It's about time we go over there and kick some ass. People are saying no ground war. Fuck that. It's time for a ground war. I want World War Three. I want utter destruction on every theatre on planet Earth. I want it. I want satellites and drones flying overhead of any... Not even our enemies. I want satellites and drones loaded with nuclear missiles ready to bomb our allies. If we find an ally who is not in support of what we're doing right now, then we should send them back to the Stone Age. Fuck them. Fuck them all. All right. If you'd like to become a supporter of the show, please head over to patreon.com forward slash boogie bumper. Become a subscriber by hitting the subscribe button on your preferred podcast player. And of course, if you would like to criticize me for my most very recent heel turn, then you can do so by following me on Twitter at Boogie <laughs> Somebody's going to clip that now. You watch. You watch. Somebody's going to clip that. And then six months from now, they'll be saying, this Boogie is an unhinged right-wing maniac. See what he said on this edition of his podcast. He wants to bomb our allies if they don't support what we're doing in Iran. (laughs) I I actually want that to happen. Mm. Absolutely. Uh, If you'd like to leave a tip during the program, it's going to be a weird one today. Like I said, this is freaky. It's Freaky Friday on a Tuesday, so I hope you're ready for it. Um, It's fucking bizarre what I've got to show you. You know, sometimes you've just got to step back. Sometimes, you know, like I pride myself on being able to argue both sides of an argument. I pride myself on giving the best possible defense and the best possible offense when it comes to argumentation. I don't even care what the topic is. You could give me the worst possible position to hold. You could give me the most grotesque position and I'll say, okay, give me an hour and I'll come back with something. I'll come back with an argument. I pride myself on that shit. Today, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to think. I'm just going to be honest with you. i got no idea what the fuck's going on. Sometimes you got to take yourself out of the loop. Strip all of the emotion out of what you're seeing in front of you and see it for what it is. And hopefully by the end of today, you might be um, you know, a little more open to seeing things the way I see them in this particular instance. That being, this is fucking crazy. <laughs> on, on many levels... So, But we'll see how we go. If you'd like to leave a tip for the show, then you can do so by heading to dlive.tv slash Boogie Bumper. You can watch the show there. You can buy lemons there. Grab the lemons. Leave a little lemons in my fruit bowl. Nice, soury lemons. Or you can head to streamlabs.com slash Boogie Bumper and you can leave a tip that way. So much to get through. <clears throat> <clears throat> and pardon me. And so little time. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for sharing the show out. Uh, let's kick it off. Let's 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 get in the groove. This is the propaganda show. I've called it the propaganda show for a reason, obviously. Oh, hang on. Sorry, I didn't have my alerts on. Thank you for the diamond and thank you for the ice creams. Those have been uh, tipping. I didn't have the sound on for that. Sorry, but sorry. Sorry. Let's get in the mood of the propaganda show. This story came out late last year and I've been saving it for such an occasion. Who saw saw this? Did anybody see this one? First, uh, Hallmark movies are fascist propaganda. Fascist propaganda. Um, Can I just say I too am seriously grossed out uh, by the amount of white people here in this little caption. Forget triumph of the will. The most insidious authoritarian authoritarian propaganda comes in the form of schmaltz. Families at Christmas can be very authoritarian, though. Like, if I was to analyze this objectively, think about it. There's there's presents under the tree. You're not allowed to touch them. You're not allowed to say that thing to your uncle that you really want to say. You have to go to bed early, even though you don't want to. You're not allowed to eat too many cookies before Christmas lunch. There's a lot of rules around Christmas. You have to go to church. What the hell is it? This sounds like fascist authoritarianism, if you ask me. Dad, or should I say Adolf, wants me to go to bed at a decent time on Christmas Eve. The Hallmark Channel has been having a rough time of it in the past few weeks. The cable TV behemoth, which has been minting money with its patented holiday season schmaltz, drew widespread criticism early this month when it pulled ads for the wedding company Zola that featured a lesbian couple kissing at their wedding. The company's initial excuse was that they do not allow ads that feature overt public displays of affection, claiming the policy is regardless of the participants. This was obviously nonsense, the author writes, as couples kissing at weddings is not only au uh, au-fay, I think they mean, but generally seen as mandatory, unsurprisingly... Critics quickly found plenty of examples of straight snogging on the channel that shows that sexual orientation was the sole reason for the ad pull. Hallmark then flip-flopped apologising for pulling the ads and claiming they had been a progressive pioneer on television for decades and committed to diversity and inclusion. You see, at the first sign of any kind of outrage campaign on social media, ladies and gentlemen... The absolute best option for you, to, the, the best option that you could take in any given scenario is to fall on your sword immediately at the first sign of any kind of resistance, apologise profusely, backflip on any initial policy that you originally had, and then pray to God that the people won't hold it against you. Nine times out of ten, they will hold it against you, but who knows? Maybe you'll be one of the lucky ones to buck the trend maybe this was obviously nonsense oh we read that which is of course laughable to anyone who has ever who has ever even glancing knowledge of the channel's offerings running down this year's schedule of christmas movie offerings is like a trip into an uncanny valley of shiny teeth thank you for the diamond gypsy i always feel funny saying thank you for the diamond gypsy because i just remember when uh, Sasha Baron Cohen was funny in that movie. Where did you get this diamond, Gypsy? Where did you steal these treasures? Who did you kill to take these treasures from? Where did you find your diamond, Gypsy? Thank you for the diamond, Gypsy. This year's schedule of Christmas movie offerings is like a trip into an uncanny valley of shiny-teethed, blow-dried, heteronormative whiteness. <laughs> with only a few token movies with characters of colour... It's like watching the Stepford Wives, but scarier. Since the evil plot to replace normal people with robots is never actually revealed. <laughs> you know, if I was if I was writing an article complaining about there being too much whiteness and that being a form of fascist authoritarianism in Hallmark movies, I would err on the side of caution when it comes to making any kind of replacement argument. That may be adding fuel to the fire. Just saying. You may be giving your perceived opponents fodder when you make those kinds of arguments, but putting that to one side. None of this should be a surprise (laughs) because Hallmark movies, as cloying and saccharine as they are, constitute the platonic ideal of fascist propaganda. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. What do you want for Christmas, little Jimmy? I know what I want. I want to subjugate all of the other minorities in the country. Can Santa do that? Well, I'm afraid Santa can't do that, little Jimmy. But he can bring you a brown shirt. Oh, I love you, Mum. I love you, Santa. Thank you, sleep lady. Thank you for the diamonds. Mummy? (laughs) Mummy? For Christmas, can we build a number of extermination camps in Eastern Europe? That's what I want for Christmas. Can Santa do that? Please, please, Santa. Have you been a good boy, little Jimmy? What about little Jimmy Steen down the road? Has he been a good boy? Of course he hasn't. Of course he hasn't. He only gets not a lump of coal. He gets to work in the coal mine. That's what little Jimmy... ...of the fascist propaganda network Hallmark Wants for Christmas. Spoiler alert. There's, there's plenty of reason that empty-headed kitsch... ...fits neatly in the authoritarian worldview. It's storytelling that imitates the gestures of emotion... ...without actually engaging with real feeling. The Hallmark movie stars clear of the real passion or deeper emotion... ...that tends to be the engine driving the more artful fiction... Characters who have real feelings, after all, can prompt empathetic reactions in the audience. And empathy for others is the greatest single threat to the authoritarian mindset. (laughs) No empathy in Christmas movies. (laughs) You know, like, I, I often wonder if I do too much of this, if I do too many of these kinds of articles... Like, if I'm drudging up too much stuff from the bottom of the barrel to bring to you, like, I often wonder, are people getting sick of this? Like, because I could just do this. This could be the whole show. This could be the whole podcast. Story after story after story after story of stuff like this. I could do that. And still run over time. I could do a show seven days a week of this. Two hours a day, seven days a week of this. So I try to space it out a little bit. And I think to myself sometimes, am I doing too much? (laughs) Am I making too big of a thing out of it? But then I sit back and I realize, no, I enjoy it too much. I'm having far too much fun. (laughs) So going back on my earlier point, that being I'm not going to compromise my principles in order to placate, you know, future audience numbers or anything like that. I don't care if I'm doing this show to 10 people or 100 people. That's not going to be the driving factor in any kind of opinion or view I give to you. So I don't have a choice in that regard. I can't pander to you. It's not in my nature. It's actually in my nature to do the exact opposite. To like try to find ways to annoy you. If everyone's agreeing and everyone's having a great time, I get uncomfortable. (laughs) So I'm like, I, I have to do something here. I have to blow this shit up. So, you know, like I said, sometimes I feel like I'm doing too many of these stories, but then I realize I can't stop doing it. I'm addicted. I'm like a junkie. I have to keep, I'm compelled to do it. So I apologize if you're not really into this, but it's going to be here for a while. (laughs) Thank you for joining us. You're on the Daily Boogie podcast. This much is evident in the uh, efforts to include Jewish characters in recent Hallmark holiday movies because everybody knows there isn't enough uh, Jewish influence in Hollywood yet. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) By all accounts, seems like a complete disaster, says the author. In part because the rule of normalcy reorients everything toward a very narrow, Uh, sentimentalized version of Christmas, A, a narrow sentimental version of Christmas. That is something we must not have. I want to see more Christmas movies that deal in misery. I want to see more Christmas movies that deal in broken families and broken dreams and children's having their heart broken. I just want more broken people at Christmas. Don't you? Don't you want a more realistic vision of Christmas? don't you want a a, a Christmas movie to come out that actually makes you cry and depressed and has no happy ending at the end? That's the most annoying part for me. All of these Christmas movies having happy endings. How about at the end of the Christmas movie, the little boy who's stealing car stereos in order to buy his sister who's dying of cancer a Christmas present to give her one last piece of joy before she shuffles off the mortal coil. How about when he's when he's about to steal his very last car stereo so he can make the payment on the Nintendo Switch or whatever it is she wanted for Christmas, he gets shot in the face by a gangbanger. Hey, Merry Christmas. That's what we want, isn't it? <clears throat> isn't that what we want at Christmas, ladies and gentlemen? We don't want to feel good at Christmas. We don't want to be thankful. We don't want to be happy. We want to be fucking miserable, obviously. There isn't enough. Sadly, it's hard to imagine it being any other way. The qualities that people cite when they defend Hallmark movies, comforting, formulaic and soothing. How awful. (laughs) Are all a result, this is the best part, of the aggressively conformist impulse that drives them. And that impulse is a fealty to the dominant culture that stands in direct contrast to the values of diversity Hallmark facetiously claims to hold. Yep. Oh, they're good. I told told you it was good. This is why I can't stop doing it. I I cannot stop. (laughs) Someone's going to have to stop me because I can't stop. If you don't believe me, listen to authoritarians themselves. And just uh, like to tack on a little rider here, me being a black shirt wearing libertarian, I would be regarded as an authoritarian by these people. Me being the person that says, I literally do not care what you do with yourself. I do not care what you do with your life, I don't care what you put in your body, I don't care if you abuse your body, I couldn't care less, I literally could not care less. They would say you have no empathy. And then I would say, well, okay, if I want empathy, okay, you want empathy? Then I wish you wouldn't do this to yourself. I wish you wouldn't do this to your body. I wish you wouldn't remove your testicles when you're a 12-year-old boy, for example. I wish you wouldn't do that. And then they would call you an authoritarian. (laughs) There is no winning here. There is no middle ground. There's no reasoning here. You are one or the other. You either don't care or you care too much. Binary options. The movies always depict a heroine who begins the story loving her self-involved life in the city and chooses family and a life of self-sacrifice in her hometown, he writes, arguing that it is the last remaining hideout for those who want a fantasy of a world where the cynicism and immorality of modern life aren't allowed. (laughs) That's a lot of Amish people apparently in all my movies. I had no idea. The... (laughs) By cynicism and immorality, Fine explains he's talking about fornication and acceptance of sexual deviance, by which he means LGBTQ people. Dun, dun, dun! None of this, of course, means that everyone who watches Hallmark Christmas movies is some kind of fledgling fascist. It took us eight paragraphs to get to that statement. You're a fascist. You're a racist. You hate everybody. You're a bigot. You hate brown people. You hate minorities. You're just like white people. You're a fascist. You're an authoritarian. You're disgusting. You're a Nazi. By the way, we don't think you're a disgusting Nazi. Just, just to let you know. Hey, I was only, I was only joking. Don't take it so seriously, bro. Don't get so uptight. It's just an opinion, man. None of this, of course, means that everyone who watches Hallmark Christmas movies is some kind of fledgling fascist. These movies are not for me, but I believe people, when they say they find it relaxing to watch these predictable movies that have low stakes because none of the characters feel like real people. I'm going to be honest here. I'm going to put my hand up. I seldom, if it wasn't for the Marvel movies and to a lesser extent, the Star Wars movies, I wouldn't have watched any new movies in the last 10 years. You know why? it's two things one yes I feel very comfortable watching movies from like my childhood that I I know exactly what every line is because I know I like it I'm like yeah I'm just gonna watch I'm gonna watch that movie again. I really enjoyed that movie. The other reason is back then movies weren't so fucking obviously terrible like they are now. you guys are making shit. the stuff you are producing overall is shit. And I've tried, man. I've tried. I really tried. It's it's like a Christmas story. I really did try, mama. But I just can't watch most of it. Most of it's terrible. So I gave up. Now I've given the option of watching, um, I don't know. I don't know. What's a new movie? Pick any one. Pick any new movie out now. If I have the option of watching any new movie right now or White Men Can't Jump with Woody Harrelson and Wesley Snipes, I'm going to White Men Can't Jump every single fucking day of the week. I must have seen that movie 200 times. I don't care. I will watch it again. (laughs) And if, if there should ever come a day when I do get bored of White Men Can't Jump, I will watch it out of spite just to avoid watching the shit that you produce. Trumpy Bear, because I was watching Revenge of the Sis too, uh, Andrew Jackson's Taint, just before. Revenge of the Sis was just on before I came on. They were talking about the Trumpy Bear. The guys who are in the chat now, do you remember when we did Trumpy Bear when it came out? Fuck, that was funny. (laughs) As soon as I saw the start of that ad, I was like, oh, I remember this because we did it on this show a while ago. It's like, I fucking remember this thing. (laughs) I wanted one. Nobody got me a Trumpy Bear, by the way. I would have loved to have dri- driven around with it on the, on the you know, the dash of my truck. <laughs> Trumpy bear. It's in one of the old ec- uh, episodes in the archive somewhere. It's easy to spot fascist propaganda when it's goose-stepping Peppy the Frog memes. It's a lot harder to notice how it's working when it's tied up in Christmas cheer. Christmas cheer, ladies and gentlemen and suggesting Grinchhood of anyone who questions the rigidity of its worldview. There you go. If only all the fascists dressed up in brown shirts had schwa stickers and goose stepped down the main streets of Warsaw, then we would be fighting a seen enemy. The problem is here in 2020, ladies and gentlemen, we are fighting fascists who look like this. <laughs> We are fighting fascists that involves blonde-haired, blue-eyed women baking cookies on Christmas with their children and their upper-middle-class lifestyles going to sleep early before their big Christmas adventure. That's the face of fascism in 2020. Learn it, understand it, study it. I hate it. I hate the fascist bash the fash. Do your best. We're not asking for miracles here, just do your best. All right, let's get to this. This – where do I even start with this? So if you don't know who this is, all of the um, all of the clips, all of the references, all of the links will be in the show notes, right, after the show. If you don't know who this is, this is Iran's foreign minister. And if you don't know what network he's on <laughs> – I, I, I suspect, unsurprisingly, to most people in this audience, he's on CNN. This is bizarre, and the reason it's bizarre for me, like I don't mind it. I, I want to hear what the guy says. I want to. I want to witness the brinkmanship in live time because that's really what we're in a state of now—is brinkmanship. And if you don't know what brinkmanship is, it's it's you know. It's not only our positioning of battleships and stuff like that. It's also rhetoric. It's, it's positioning for future conflict or feigning future conflict. That's what brinkmanship is, right? Well, we'll move our ships here and we'll say that. And then they'll say that and then they'll move their tanks there. And then they'll move their tanks there. Think of the Cold War. That was basically 25, 30 years of brinkmanship without anybody actually declaring war on one another. They were in a state of perpetual war, okay? So that's what we're witnessing here. But So on one hand, I find it amazing that CNN is interviewing this guy, and then on the more cynical hand, because it's CNN, I don't find it amazing at all. (laughs) But again, I, I, I keep getting drawn, I keep getting sucked back into this nagging thing at the back of my brain that says, well... War on terror, war on terror. a state of war when we don't declare war, It's becoming more and more evident to me this state of perpetual war without declaring war. If we had have, if, if, if the West and, and it's, uh, America and her allies had have declared war on Iran, this interview doesn't happen. This guy doesn't get to go on CNN. And make threats and demands and talk about stuff. That doesn't happen if there is an actual declared war. But we have war when it's not really a war. It's kind of a war, but not really. We're not really declaring war on you. We're kind of declaring war on some of you. Right? If somebody actually came out and declared war, then there would be consequences. It's kind of like war. You know what it is? Because war has political fallout, especially in the West. War has consequences politically. War has consequences in real terms. So it costs you money. It costs you lives very often. It costs you, you know, direction and focus. It costs you um, credit and reputation on the world stage. And if you lose, it costs you everything. But with the current state of undeclared war, the war on terror, the politicians have found a way to be in a state of perpetual war without suffering any of the consequences themselves. You suffer the consequences. You have to pay for it with your taxes. You have to send your sons and daughters overseas to die in desert shitholes. But because they haven't actually declared war in another country, meaning that there is no start and end point, the politicians can pretend like it's not really happening. Donald Trump himself came out the other day and said this missile strike was to avoid war. I'm sorry, avoid war that you're in? Avoid a state of war that you are already engaged in and have been since 2001? Like, what planet am I on here? Right? The politicians get to pretend that there is no war when the companies manufacturing the artillery, they they know there's a war. The intelligence services knows there's a war. The army knows there's a war. The air force knows there's a war. The navy knows there's a war. The enemies know there's a war. They're getting exploded on tarmacs at airports. They know there's a war. You know there's a war because you're waving flags and saying, "Yeah, we've got to kill the terrorists." The only people in the war of terror that get to do, who are allowed to get away with pretending like there's no war, are the politicians, and that's never been the case. See, in the past, if you were at war at the wrong time, or people could put pressure on their politicians to get them out of war, they used to have to listen to the people when it came to war, either declaring it or getting out or stopping, right? Political pressure got uh, America out of the Vietnam War. Wasn't the Viet Cong. America was winning that war. If you were at war at the wrong time or an unpopular war, you could suffer politically back home for being at war. But if you don't actually declare war on anybody you don't have to suffer the consequences of being at war. But with the war on terror, you just get to pretend. You you get to be at war all the time, but you don't have to suffer the consequences of actually being in it. Do you see my point? So it was a big side note there, right? Big side carriage. And again, if if this kind of talk enrages you, if this annoys you, then leave. I don't care. I'm not going to stop. I'm going to be honest with you. You don't have to like it. No one's forcing you to be here. It's a free program. Come and go as you please. I really don't care at this point. I have to be honest. So because we're in this state of undeclared kind of war, but not really, we now have the foreign minister of Iran going on CNN, giving giving his, it's unbelievable to me. He's on CNN talking about Iran's side of this, non, this pretend non-war that's happening. The Iran view of the war that's not really a war, but kind of a war, but not really. Have a listen to some of this. It's incredible. This is incredible stuff. And then after that, we'll listen to uh, Mike Pompeo talking about the war that's not really a war.
2: We're obviously at a time when it's an extremely dangerous situation between Iran and the United States and for the entire Middle Eastern region. You have said that Iran will retaliate for the... Tar- say so again, clearly clever. Boogie
1: you, fuck. Iran's been at war with the US for 40 years and that's totally cool with you. Are you even listening to what I'm saying? When did I say it's cool with me? I'm, I'm, I'm clearly talking about undeclared war, right? You are either in heated agreement with me or you're a moron, like one or the other. You must be agreeing with me. A state of undeclared war. Iran hasn't declared war on the United States. Prove me wrong. Show me where the government of Iran came out and said, we are declaring war on the United States of America. It has not happened. Just the same way... That the West has not declared war on Iran. Do you know what happens when a country officially declares war on the United States? Then it's game on. There's no like negotiation phase. If a country comes out and says we are at war with the United States, the United States goes in there and cleans them up. Remember South America? So there's a difference between brinkmanship and declaring war outright a state of war. That's why nobody does it, because they don't want to suffer the fallout of it. Instead, we have this pretend peace, an undeclared war. So politicians get to, you know, roll on without ever having to suffer the consequences of actually being at war. You see my point, right? So again, we'll get back to this Iranian guy which is fucking amazing to me that this is on CNN. I can't believe it. But then again, I kind of can believe
2: it because it is CNN, but let's carry on. Between Iran and the United States and for the entire Middle Eastern region, you have said that Iran will retaliate for the targeted killing of uh, General Qasem Soleimani. President Trump has said there would be a disproportionate response if you do that. What do you make of President Trump's threats?
0: Well, I think President Trump, uh, after watching uh, the crowd yesterday must stop threatening. This people will be further enraged by his threats and his threats will not frighten us. But what he's showing something. He's showing to the international... This guy could be working for Iranian NPR,
1: you know what I mean? We're on the brink of war. Everything's about to happen. People are going to die. There's threats. There's missiles. Generals are getting killed everywhere. It's like, ah, it's mayhem. Well, what? What America <laughs> What America has to do is they have to stop threatening people. You see, the important thing to do here is just step back from the table. You know, you don't want to do anything that would upset, you know, large groups of people. You saw all the people at the uh, funeral the other day, didn't you? After Coming up after the break, we will play some Mozart, who is a Western pig, of course. And, and then we will discuss the recent taxation on fuel prices that has been happening in Baghdad and Lebanon. Everything is calm. The main, <laughs> the main thing that you have to do here is just not try not to enrage people. Be very calm. Don't, don't do anything to make the people angry. This
0: is Iranian NPR.
1: It's fantastic.
0: A community that he has no respect for international law, that he is prepared to commit war crimes because attacking cultural sites is a war crime. In this uh, disproportionate response, is a war crime. Uh, proportionality is a major uh, principle of uh, of international uh, law.
1: Notice he said principle and not a law. It's a principle of international law, but it's not actually a law. So
0: you know, uh, but but he doesn't he doesn't care. It seems about international law. But has he made us more secure? Has, is he making you safer? How do, th- this next part is amazing to me.
1: I mean, all we've been talking about for the last two years, meddling in foreign elections. Listen, this is a direct appeal to uh, United States voters. Have a
0: listen. Americans feel more secure. Are Americans welcome today in this region? (laughs) They're not going to do anything.
1: (laughs) There's so many levels to come at this. I'm getting bombarded with narratives (laughs) in the calm voice too, which I love. Look, the main important thing to think about to consider here is are Americans safer in the region? Do you feel safe? It's like, it's like the Iranian Bane, you know, do you feel in charge? (laughs) Americans need to ask themselves, do they feel safe? Do they feel in
0: charge? (laughs) Do they feel welcome? Do they feel welcome? How do they feel about people chanting in the streets of Iraq, in the streets of Moscow, in the streets of Delhi, and everywhere else that they should leave? How do they feel about that? That's the price for arrogance, for ignorance, for lack of respect.
2: Lack of President Trump was saying, and Michael Pompeo was saying as well, um, that they have intelligence. Okay,
1: people in the chat saying that there's something going on. Um, can someone send me a link on Twitter? And I'll, I'll go to it if if something's happening. I'll go to it right now if you want. Send me a link on Twitter, at Boogie Bumper. Someone saying that there's, a, there's an attack happening right now as we speak, which would just be I mean, serendipitous, <laughs> because here we are reviewing the video of the foreign minister on CNN saying, the important thing to remember here is just to remain calm. Don't do anything that will get you into trouble. Do you, do you feel welcome in this region? Do you feel in charge? Next thing you know, <laughs> so if someone wants to send me a link, we'll do it. We'll go to it on the fly. Let's see, let's, let's carry
2: on though, while we wait. That General Soleimani was planning attacks, imminent attacks, uh, on US targets. They say this was a deterrent attack, and they do say that America is safer today.
0: Well, they're either based on misinformation or they're lying. Because General Soleimani's <clears throat> mission was to contain the anger in Iraq, following the United States murder of about 25 Iraqis. This is a very clear uh, information that we had, clear information that the Iraqi government had. The government of
1: okay. People saying nine rockets hit Iraq base housing U.S. Uh, security f- sources. Um, so okay, let's let's take that on face value. Let's discuss it for a second. Okay. Um, this is kind of what you wanted, though, right? The challenge was put out. We hit the general and we dared them to do something. Go on, fucking do it. Do it. Do it. We don't care. We'll fuck you up. Go on, do it, man. So, I, I you know, I can fall back on the previous argument that I made on Trust and Verify that said, I where I, I made the point, specifically made the point that Fuck around and find out doesn't... It's not going to stop people from attacking you, right? It's not going to work. doesn't work that way. There is always going to be someone willing to take the risk. There is always going to be someone who's going to hit you. Even when all of the odds say that they shouldn't. Because you're not always necessarily dealing with rational people here. That's the other side. So... I guess they're going to find out. And then, you know, it'll be people saying, like, time to turn them into a glass factory. Then It's not going to stop, though. You realise that, right? So then the next thing will be, okay, now we'll take out four generals and then they'll retaliate again. And it'll be, okay, now we're going to take out the whole country. Now we're going to level the whole country. And it's not going to stop there either. And this is a point that other people have made. This is a point that other people have made. There's a redefinition occurring now. People are trying to, people are legitimately legitimately trying to tell me that getting out does not mean getting out. That getting out means getting out, but leaving people in there, leaving bases, leaving ground forces, leaving, you know, security. Like people are trying to say, I, I fucking said this on Twitter like last week. I said, you watch. The position is going to be reversed 180 degrees and people are going to pretend like that was always the position. And that is exactly what's happening now. The position was let's get out of the Middle East. Let's get out. Let's bring them home. Remember all those videos that I played? I feel like a fucking idiot because I wasted your time. I feel like a fucking moron because I was playing videos of Donald Trump saying, you know, we just got to bring them home. It's enough. We've had enough. We got to get out of there. We don't we, we don't belong there. We shouldn't be there. We got to bring the boys home. And playing the clips of Marines, dead Marines getting dropped off in coffins. I was playing that and applauding <coughs> while I was getting, and I was defending it while I was getting attacked by people who say, that's ridiculous. You don't know what you're talking about. I said, fuck you. At some point, you got to get out. If, if your promise is to get out, then at some point that actually means getting out. So I feel like a moron now for, for actually um, going along with it. I feel like a moron for believing it. Because now the position has become, we're not fucking going anywhere, bro. We're going to stay there. We're staying indefinitely. That's the position now. And then to rub salt into the wound, people are trying to tell me, but that's always been the position, Boogie. The position was always to stay. You idiot. Uh-huh. <laughs> After playing all of the clips and reading all of the transcripts and playing all of the speeches, I'm the fucking idiot here. I got it wrong. Okay. So I guess this this is what happens now. So it's going to escalate and escalate and escalate. Because clearly the fuck around and find out That they want to find out, obviously. They can't wait to find out by the sounds of them. So, it is what it is. Oh, look at me.
0: I'm rambling again.
1: Maybe if we only used really small nukes, it would stop this forever war. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) We'll just take out one more amp. We'll just take out one more oil field we'll just take out one more general we'll just we'll just bomb one more village we'll just bomb one more terrorist and then everyone will love us and then everything will be okay it's guys it's never going to stop it's never going to end there's always going to be another oil field there's always going to be another terrorist there's always going to be another village harboring terrorists It's not going to stop. There is if... And now at least... I'm happy though, because at least now the position is we're not leaving. We're not getting out. So now we know what we're working with at least. Now I don't have to come on here and praise politicians when they claim that they are getting out when we all know obviously that the plan is not that. That they're actually coming out and stating the new plan, which is we're not going anywhere. That's fine. That's fine. Fine, if that's what it is, then that's what it is. So, here we are, you know, on a Tuesday night, rockets hitting Iraqi bases, housing US troops. What what did you think was going to happen? You've been saying that these people are crazy, and then you dare them to attack you. (laughs) Okay. Okay. See, California Dreaming, asking me, what's your solution? Solution to what? Solution to what? You're asking for my solution. Solution to what? Right? I'll wait. I'll, have, I'll If you give me like a, a specific question, I can answer it. Or at least try to. Solu- solution to what? I'll, I'll wait. Moron, mama says you are literally arguing in a fucking loop. Okay, you, but that's just an insult. You give, give me more. Give me something. I don't know what I've said that's uh, that's wrong. I don't know what I've said that's like objectively false. If you can point me to something, have, have I lied? Have I said anything that's wrong? Solution: What to do in the Middle East? What again? What do you mean? What to do? I wouldn't do anything in the Middle East, right? I wouldn't do anything in the Middle East. So I, I, I can't have a solution to what we should do in the Middle East. My position is we shouldn't do the Middle East, which funnily enough was the position of Donald Trump in 2016. Andrew Jackson's uh, Taint asks, how are missiles hitting our bases? I thought we had the best missile defense known to man. Hmm. I don't know. I guess it's a, I guess it's a miracle. I guess it's some kind of miracle. So, you know, uh, people are saying like, oh, we need to stay and stuff. Okay, fine. If that's, you, I, I, I've said this already. If that's your position, then Okay. If your position is to stay and show strength, and you know not put up with the shit, and you know uh, protect the bases and protect the oil fields or whatever it is we're doing, I don't even care. Protecting a fucking protecting your favorite coffee shop, whatever the whatever you're protecting, fine. But let's not pretend like it's something else. That's all I'm saying. If the position is oh we need to stay, right? So uh, So your answer is not do anything. I didn't say that. Which means not take our boys home or up the numbers. No, absolutely get out. Absolutely get out. Absolutely. Get out. If the the complaint is that Americans are getting hit in Iraq, then my first thing is, well, so why are you in Iraq? And you say, well, to protect our interests. Okay, when does that end? It doesn't end. That You see what I'm saying, right? So if it doesn't, if we admit that it doesn't end because there's always going to be a bad guy, there's always going to be somewhere. No, no, I didn't say I wouldn't do anything. I said I wouldn't be there. You said, what's what's your solution to the Middle East? I said, I wouldn't do the Middle East, right? So please try to understand what I'm saying here. I wouldn't be in the Middle East, okay? Would not be there, would not have a single soul there. So if we are to be in the Middle East, again, fine, protecting our interests, fighting bad guys, gotcha. But then you also have to accept the reality that there's always going to be interests and there's always going to be bad guys. It's never going to stop. I don't understand how this is wrong. nope you need to replay this later I think I've been pretty clear I wouldn't do the Middle East wouldn't be there would have got out a long time ago I don't care I do not care if if you know if it's only about um if if then doesn't have to be a ground force then you can do it all from the air right So why is there a ground force there? These are very basic questions. Why have people on the ground open to being attacked if you don't have to have people on the ground? People keep telling me we don't need boots on the ground. We don't need boots on the ground. We don't need people on the ground. Fine. Why are they there? Oh, we're protecting our interests. You just told me we don't need people on the ground. We can just do it all with missiles. So why are there people there, right? So this is the thing, I wouldn't be there, but if, the, if the, the plan is, if the solution is, well, we have to remain, then I'm just putting forward a very basic reality. That being, if the plan is we have to remain un, you know, until our interests are secured and until our personnel over there are safe, then we're going to be there forever. Because there is always going to be someone who wants to punch you in the face. There's always going to be someone throwing a rocket. There's always going to be somebody coming after you. That's just the way it is. And I think pretending otherwise, that's fantasy land. So it's either out or in, right? As long as there is one base with one American on it, there could be one teeny tiny little base with one American on it in one city in Iraq, that one American at that one base will be a target for somebody. I, I Tell me I'm wrong. That's just the way it is. I'm not saying it's right or morally good or morally bad or, oh, you know, got to protect the bad, kill the bad guy. Fine, but that's just the reality, man. As long as people are there, they're going to be targeted. If you don't want people to be targeted, then they don't have them there. But if you do want people to be there, then you have to accept the reality that they're going to be targeted and pretending like, oh, if we bomb a general, then nobody's going to target us. It's fucking lunacy because of course they're going to target you. They're never going to stop as long as you're there. They're not going to stop even if you're not there. They're going to try and target you at home. If you're not there, then they're never going to stop trying to fight you because that's the nature of the world. That's human nature. There's always going to be somebody targeting you. But in my opinion, like if you can at least take some people out of harm's way on the other side of the earth, when we all admit that they shouldn't even be there in the fucking first place, then I think we're halfway, we're halfway making the job halfway easier at least. Asking what's your solution? I I doubt there is a solution. But the reality is, as long as we're over there, we're going to be targeted. And as long as we're targeted, we're going to retaliate. And as long as we retaliate, there's always going to be retaliation. It's just fucking real life. So I don't get, I don't get what, it's it's like people are trying to say to me that um, being there in the first place now, that must not be questioned. And again, I'll, I'll refer back to the tweet I put out a week ago. I said, this is exactly what would happen. I said a week ago, this is exactly what would happen, that the new position would be that we have to be there. And now a lot of people are just accepting that as the new reality. We have to be there. We cannot leave. And people are going to pretend like it's always been that way when it hasn't. But whatever. Whatever. Well, I I hope I'm not boring people too much with, you know, going back and forth with the chat. Uh, I think it's important. Uh, while we wait for more new info to roll in, let's play a little bit more of this guy. Because like I said, there is stuff to get out of this, which I think is fascinating.
0: Iraq has been on the record saying what he was doing. General Soleimani was the greatest force for stability in Iraq. He was the hero of the fight against Daesh, along with uh, his companions, particularly Abu Mehdi al-Muhandis. They're re- revered by the people of Iraq.
1: Now, I suspect he's probably being a little, mm, how would you say, generous with the truth. You know what I mean? I suspect he's probably being a little, mm, perhaps a little, you know, I'm not going to say exaggerate, but he's probably exaggerating. (laughs) But... Um, This is why, you know, the other day on Trust and Verify, I brought up the story. I'm sorry if I'm boring you. I brought up the story of the good Sir James Douglas. And I think a couple of people misinterpreted what I was saying by that story. So if you missed Trust and Verify the other night, I'll quickly go over it again. The good Sir James Douglas is like a hero in Scottish folklore. So he's seen as like a liberator, a brave knight who fought bravely alongside Robert de Bruce, okay? He incidentally uh, eventually died fighting against uh, the Moors in Europe. You'll be pleased to know. Just as a side note. But so he's seen, uh, you know, on the Scottish side of the border, he's seen as a hero, a liberator, a freedom fighter, right? On the English side of the border, they call him the Black Douglas, because he would raid towns, behead his enemies, and burn crops so women and children would starve to death in the winter. Thank you for coming. I'll I'll see see you in in hell. hell. And the point that I was making by telling that story is, like, the same guy, good guy or bad guy, the perception, it's only different based on, you know, whether you're six inches on this side of the border or six inches on that side of the border, right? That's the only difference. He still did all of the same things. Nobody's denying the stuff that he did. But the way that people looked at it is completely different, whether you're on this side of Hadrian's Wall or that side of Hadrian's Wall. And again, I'm not putting... It's not about... um, I'm not, you know, saying good guy, bad guy here. I'm saying that's what people do. We, as human beings, decide good guy or bad guy, sometimes based on... Which side of the border you're on, okay? So even if you don't, even if you acknowledge that uh, a certain person did bad stuff, that doesn't mean that you can't acknowledge that somewhere else in the world they probably fucking love the guy. Doesn't mean I love the guy. People have, people have lost all tolerance for, you know, again the Aristotle line. I'm not saying I'm smart. I don't think I am but a sign of intelligence is being able to entertain an idea without adopting it. I can entertain the idea that someone like Soleimani would be popular somewhere. It it, it annoys me when people pretend like that couldn't possibly happen because it's it's obviously false. It's obviously a lie. When politicians get up there and say everybody is celebrating that this guy's dead, clearly that's wrong. There would be people who love him. We know this. Why are you lying to me? Don't pretend. It annoys me. You know, you're trying to pretend to make sure everybody's on side. I get why you're pretending because you need everybody to be on the same side. But I don't have to be. I can sit back and say, no, I don't like that. That annoys me. It doesn't mean I fucking love the dude. It doesn't mean I'm going to go over there and fucking cry on his coffin. Right? Right? So he's talking about the people mourning at the funeral and he was revered, he was loved. He's doing the same thing. He's pretending that everybody loved the guy when that's clearly not true either. That's clearly false. But people have been saying, like, you saw the footage, right, of the funeral, of all of the people. Like, this is a little logic test for you. A little bit of a logic test. Logic 101, okay? Oh, look at me i'm rambling again thank you andrew jackson thank you andrew jackson Questions thank you mr president for Warhawk, neocons how much longer should we stay in the middle east do you even remember the troops? Our troops out promise and what's your solution to a 1400 year war einstein there you go so andrew jackson's putting that question in the chat um i guess aimed at the people who are asking for solutions um what's yours What's your solution to a 400-year war? What's your solution to getting out of the Middle East, right? Questions, I'll read it again because it cut out. Questions for the Warhawk neocons. How much longer should we stay in the Middle East? Okay, that's a question. One year, five years, ten years. You can't answer that, can you? It's okay not to be able to answer it. Uh, Is it? Is Boogie cutting out some, or is it me? I don't know if I'm cutting. I don't think I am. It looks like it's going out. Okay, I'm Uh, Do you even remember the get our troops out promise, and what's your solution to a 400-year war? That's what Andrew Jackson's taint is asking in the chat. So have at it. Have at it. So here's a little logic problem for you, okay? People are saying that, all of the people so there was there was a lot of people at this guy's funeral they're saying that all of the people were forced to be there okay just say that's true just say that the Iranian government has so much uh, has such a grip of control on its population has its population in so much fear like press 1 in the chat if you think all of the people at Soleimani's funeral were forced to be there by the government, just I want to show of hands, how many people think that? Which you're allowed to think that, but I'm just going to present to you. I'm going to ask you a question. If you think that's true, press one in the chat. If you think all of the people that were at Soleimani's funeral were forced to be there by the government, because that's what we're getting told, right? That's what a lot of people are saying. You can't po- you can't look at those pictures; it doesn't mean anything because everybody was forced to be there. Okay, so I see one. There's a few ones. Okay, good. I'm glad. This is why I'm glad. So if you accept that the Iranian government has so much control over the population that they can force hundreds of thousands of people into the street to um, mourn at a funeral that they don't want to be at, why are you sharing videos of female Iranians ripping off their hijabs in the street? Why are we reading reports about uh, young Iranian men rioting on the streets of Tehran about petrol prices and stuff like that? Why are we seeing people openly protest in Iran and why are we celebrating it? Because you see what I'm getting at here, right? If the government has so much control over its population that it can force hundreds of thousands of people into the street to mourn at a funeral, then those protests of people ripping off their hijabs, those people burning cars, those people upturning cars, those people protesting against high fuel prices, that would not be happening. Tell me I'm wrong. (laughs) The government can make... Hundreds of thousands of people go to a funeral, but they can't stop women ripping the hijabs off in the street. You believe that? It's got to be one or the other, because that's what you're going to have to argue if you're going to if you're going to argue that all of the people were forced to be there. You're also going to have to argue that uh, the Iranian government must then want people to protest. They must be forcing people to protest in the streets. Because if they have that kind of a tight grip on people, that's the only way it could happen. You can't tell me a government that has so much power over its population that it can force hundreds of thousands of people into the street to mourn simultaneously does not have the power to stop people rioting in the capital. So what? Maybe maybe on Tuesdays and Wednesdays, those are the riot days. Those are the days where the government takes a couple of days off and doesn't doesn't bother anybody, lets them riot. But on funeral days, the government kicks into gear. On funeral days, the fear machine machine kicks into gear and then like forces everybody out into the street. But then on Monday, every, the government just takes a day off and people can go back to their writing. Is that what happens? No. So I'm not prepared to go all the way and say everyone was supposed to be there because to me it makes no logical sense whatsoever. They can't be on the brink of revolution and forcing people at the same time. It doesn't work that way. If they don't have the power to stop riots, what makes you think they have the power to force people into the street to mourn at a guy's funeral? I'm yet to see a a, um, compelling argument to make me... Stop, you know, thinking logically on that one. But either way, I'm sure a lot of people didn't want to be there. Maybe there was like social pressure. Maybe there was pressure from the government. But uh, everybody in the crowd? No. No, don't think so. (laughs) It's just too big. There's too many of them. There's too many of them. If all of the people in the crowd didn't want to be there, they could have uh, torn the soldiers forcing them to be there limb from limb. There There would have been a thousand people to every soldier on those streets. At least. If they didn't want to be there, they wouldn't have been there, most of them. Strength in numbers.
0: Did you see the funeral processions? Now, Mike Pompeo might like a video clip that somebody sent him showing a couple of people, 20 people... Uh, celebrating. But did he close his eyes to see the huge sea of people mourning in Iraq and in Iraq?
1: <laughs> see they keep pointing to those pictures. Obviously those pictures are being used as propaganda and people say, well of course they're using of course. They're using the pictures of the uh the funeral as propaganda. And I'm like, yep, they are, absolutely. And absolutely Mike Pompeo tweeted uh images out of Iraqis running down the street in Baghdad waving Iraqi flags after the announcement too, because he's using it as propaganda too. You see?
0: Got to be honest both ways here. Their days in our region are numbered. Not because anybody will take any action against them, but because they are not welcomed in our region.
1: And see, I like what he said there, because he's saying, not that, not that in that NPR, Iranian NPR voice, not that anybody will take any action against them in <laughs> Iranian bane not that anybody will take any action against you but you will know that you are not welcome here say so we watched we we played the um the retired colonel the other day on trust to verify he made this exact point the foreign minister is going to come out and say hey anything something's probably going to happen but if anything happens it won't be from us we're not going to do it <laughs> It's an information war. It's a propaganda war. Hey, if anything happens, we're not going to be the guys responsible, even if they're sitting there right now in bunkers planning shit. That's the smart way to do it to say, hey, we didn't do nothing. Hearts and minds, right? You know, it's, I, this is another thing. James, thanks for joining us. Okay, according to visuals, the government funneled street traffic from the entire area into that street. That's a lot of traffic. That's a lot of traffic. And again, funneled, I'll make the point again. We have video, people are sharing videos of women giving the finger to the police as they rip off their hijabs. Giving the finger to armed men on the street. We have videos and reports of young Iranian guys setting fire to police cars. But on this one day, on this one day, because of this guy's funeral, in order to make a propaganda video, the government was able to, on this one occasion, regardless of the protests, regardless of the riots, regardless of everything that's happening on the street in Iran right now, Regardless of that, on this one particular day, the government was able to muster up enough willpower or force or what have you and literally force half a million people into the street at the same time against their will. I don't buy it. I don't buy it. It's okay if we want to say that they forced everybody into the street against their will. But then I'm going to have a. Now I'm going to have to question every single video I see of people protesting in Iran. I'm going to have to say, well, that doesn't make sense. They can force half a million people into the street against their will to mourn at a funeral. Why are they allowing people to riot?
0: Doesn't make sense. So, what was I going to say? I lost my point. Our numbers. Not because anybody will take any action against uh,
1: you. know, No, we will not take any action.
0: We are not taking any action against you. But because they are not welcomed in
2: Wait. our region. Your government and your leadership and the military, your... Ha-
1: I mean, I, I feel like a lot of these points I'm going to make now are moot because <clears throat> I've been saying them for so long and now we've progressed into the next stage of this thing that nobody's going to listen anyway. It doesn't make any difference to people now. Right? I've made this point before. Like, What happens generally in the past when we do these kinds of things? We go, we go into these countries and we say we're going to liberate them. Uh, we're going to liberate you from... Here's the other th- another thing, if you want to talk about it, that nobody's talking about. <clears throat> Saddam Hussein was a Sunni leader, right? When we removed Saddam Hussein, we handed Iraq to Iran. What do I mean by that? I mean Iraq is a Shia-majority country more Shias in Iraq than there are Sunnis. Iran is a Shia majority country. Thank you for coming. I'll see you in hell. So now are people trying to tell us that after we removed the Hussein government and left it, we, we brought them democracy, okay? We brought them democracy. Remember, most of the people... In Iraq, believe in the same kind of Islam that uh, people in Iran believe in, and now we're going to sit here and act fucking surprised when Iraq turns into a mini Iran. Like, are we are we kidding us? How dumb are we? How dumb are we for believing that? Oh, oh, the new the new government in Iraq is very closely al- aligned to Iran. What the fuck did you think was going to happen? You brought them free elections, most of them are Shiites. Most of the people in Iran are Shiites. How do you think they're going to align them? Do you think they're going to be enemies with their brothers from the same sect? The glorious part about it is is we installed Saddam Hussein in the first place to keep the Shiites in Iran at bay. The Western nations installed Saddam Hussein. He was our boy. We installed the Sunni leader in Iraq, the minority Sunni party in Iraq, to rule over the majority Shias in order to stop Iran taking over Iraq. So then what do we do? We, 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 fucking, we fall in there all clumsy and shit and start breaking stuff. Oh, get rid of him. Fuck him off. And then fuck me dead. 15 years later, we sit back and go, how could it possibly be that Iraq is becoming more closely aligned with Iran? We're clueless. We're fucking clueless. And now now Iran's the problem. We've got to do it again there. I mean, it's a joke. It's laughable. Has a to take action. I I don't even know what to say at this point. Like the other point that I've made for 10 years is what do we normally do in these places? We go in there. We say we're going to liberate people. We remove governments. We install other governments. We say we're going to bring democracy and we're going to do all these things. We're going to take care of it. But we're making people safer, guys. We're making, the, we're making the region safer. We're, do, we're the good guys. We're making it safer. They don't want democracy. They don't want freedom. <laughs> a lot of people think like, oh, if we just give them democracy and just give them freedom, then they'll be happy. I, I don't know if you've realized this. A lot, of, a lot of people in that part of the world look at us and what we do, and they say, well, look at these people. Look at these people. Look at these degenerates. We've got we've got porn on TV. Uh, we embrace the homosexuals. We've got trans children. They don't want that. They look at that and go, "Ooh, ew, ew! What's wrong with you?" Right? We need to break this out of our. We need to break out of this cycle at some point. Again, it's another fantasy. I want to go to Pompeo's response. A, a, a fantastic, a fantastic shit-eating grin on Mike Pompeo's face right there. He's he's doing a mini Trump, isn't he? Doesn't that just doesn't he? It looks like you know how pets' uh, owners eventually look like their pets. <laughs> it's like Mike has been watching Trump, studying Trump, studying Trump's facial expressions. I mean, if you put a little more gold and a red tie on that, a little more gold on the hair and a little and a red tie on that, you would say, is that Donald Trump? Is that Tr-? It looks like a- that that grin, right? Hmm. You know that famous meme?
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: I fucking laughed when I saw that. Perfect pause. So let's see what uh Mike Pompeo's got to say.
0: Um two questions, if you don't mind. Uh Iran's Foreign Affairs Minister, Zarif, uh, granted an interview saying that Soleimani was on a diplomatic uh, visit to Iraq uh, that the U.S strike to take him out uh, was state terrorism that President Trump has prepared to commit war crimes and that Iranians are
1: um, more on Mummer in the chat says their actions do not line up with what I agree with I, I again I agree completely see if if I had to focus on each individual person's, thing right another reality in that part of the world the actions of the government are your action you know what i mean they're your actions they they draw no distinction i mean i don't know how many um you know i don't know how many lectures you've been to uh where people discuss counter-terrorism or um you know jihadist philosophy and stuff like that not like to recruit people but to actually try and understand what's going on there are a lot of people that argue that the the in jihadist you know hardline philosophy no distinction is drawn between the government and the people because if the people support the government then they are equally culpable and support can be financial support and because we all pay taxes we are we are we are cannon fodder we are equal we're fair game that's the way a lot of them look at it you know that's not the way we would look at it we would say oh their governments are their governments are terrible but the people are nice we say that a lot but for a lot of not everybody not everybody but for you know for some people over there they don't see it that way They say their government's terrible because their people keep supporting them. You see what I'm I'm saying here? So it's okay for us here to say, well, that's the government. That's not me. But for them, they would say, like, think of the Black Douglas thing again, all right? Perception. Angles of truth. For them, they say, well, it is the same thing because you're the reason that the government's there. Without you, the government wouldn't be there. They wouldn't be doing it. So... Both people are kind of right. Sorry. (laughs) Doesn't mean that everybody agrees. It's just the way that they look at it. So, you know, like, what can I say? I can sit here and say, oh, that's wrong and that's bad. It's not going to change their mind. I I don't really get into what's right and wrong. I get into what is and what isn't. That's more what I focus on, what is and what isn't. Other people can make the moral arguments. Other people can say what's right and what's wrong what we should do versus what we shouldn't do. That's not for, I've, I've said this before. This is why James and I get on so well. And I don't know if he's still in the chat or not. He might've disowned me by now, <laughs> which is fine. I don't think he would. Cause we appreciate, we come at these things with different angles. James is very good. Like I know James very well. We're very good friends. We've had a lot of very, you know, personal conversations off air. We get on really well. The, there's a big difference between James and I and the, James is very good. He's a solutions guy. He's very good at finding finding ways to get things to work, right? James is very good at walking into a room and saying, okay, I need to do this, this, and this, and this, and that's how I get it to work. Then, Then we will be functioning, okay? I'm not a solutions guy. I'm a problems guy. So I walk into a room and say this, 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 and this. That's why it's not working. I do problems. I don't do solutions. James does solutions. He's the solutions guy. Remember the video he did about the solution to the homeless crisis? That's great. He can tell you how to fix the homeless crisis. I can tell you how the homeless crisis is how the homeless crisis came to be. That's why we work well together. I don't. I don't look for solutions. I look for problems. I look at something and, and try to figure out why it's not working. He looks at something and, and tries to figure out how to make it work. That's that's generally two kinds of people on planet Earth. Those who do solutions and those who do problems. Generally, for some people, it's their job to find why things don't work properly, and for other people, it's their job to try and make things work properly. It's a different skill set. All right, let's see. I I don't know what kind of guy Mike Pompeo is. He might be. A, he might. I think he's a problem guy. <laughs> Just saying
0: enraged first that's the first question I'd like your reaction to that second question president Trump has indicated that Iran's cultural sites could be targeted is that true are they on the target list and if so do you consider that a war crime
3: so let's see so uh, Zarif's statement uh, uh his first statement that is Soleimani was traveling to Baghdad on a diplomatic mission anybody here believe that Is there any history that would indicate that it was remotely possible that this kind gentleman, this diplomat of great (laughs) order, Qasem Soleimani, had traveled to Baghdad for the idea of conducting a peace mission?
1: No, no. I doubt very many people would believe that. I doubt very many people would believe that at all. Um, On the same token, though, I'm not sure it matters now. Maybe it mattered at the time. It's not going to matter now. Now that there are rockets uh, hitting bases in Iraq, doesn't matter anymore, does it? All of a sudden, it, it's not relevant anymore. It doesn't matter because now we're into, now we're on to the next level, and there'll be a next level, and a next level, and a next level.
3: I, I, I made you reporters laugh this morning. That's fantastic.
1: <laughs> I got, a, I got a laugh at a press conference about Iran. I must be doing good. <laughs> Time and place, Mike time and place, okay? Take me back to the Iranian NPR guy. (laughs) Uh, We know that wasn't true. We not
3: only know the history, uh, we know in that moment that was not true. Sarif is a propagandist of the First Order. Yeah, We all are these days. Uh, And most of what you suggested in his uh, text message or email or message that you laid out there uh, was indeed uh, Iranian propaganda. It's not new. We've heard these same lies.
1: Again, I, I've got to be honest here, coming from the guy who was tweeting out uh, videos of Iraqis running down the street, this is another point that I made off air to somebody. I can't even remember who I made it to. Somebody said, oh, the, the Iraqis are very happy that we did this. Look at this video that Mike Pompeo sent out. And I said, okay, they're not waving American flags. Right. <laughs> this person sent me this video that Mike Pompeo sent out of you know, like I said, twenty or thirty people celebrating, running down the street, saying, "Look how happy they are with us. They're very happy with us." And I looked at it and said, "How do you know they're happy with you?" And I said, "Oh, because we just killed Soleimani." And I'm like, "Yeah, but they're waving Iraqi flags, not American flags." Contrast that with what's happening in Hong Kong, where they do wave American flags. And they wave UK flags again, and and people will tell me that I'm wrong to even question that because Mike Pompeo is saying it. And I understand that people say, "Well, we have to trust." I, un- I don't, I don't necessarily agree with it, but I understand why people say, "Well, we have to trust Donald Trump." Okay, fine. Trusting politicians is something that a lot of people do. It's not necessarily something that I do. I I can trust in somebody's nature that they will act a certain way. I can go that far, but I don't trust, you know, implicitly. It's very hard to earn my trust. It's just the way I am. Remember, I'm a problems guy, not a solutions guy. I don't have to fix it. I don't have to fix Donald Trump. I don't have to fix the Middle East. I just have to point and tell you what's wrong with it. Probably easier. (laughs) So I understand like, why people say, well, we just have to trust Donald Trump. Um, when did that trust extend to Mike Pompeo? When did that trust extend to the people that Mike Pompeo has underneath him? When did that trust extend to the people that are handing reports to the people who hand reports to Mike Pompeo, right? Just basic questions. Oh, Donald Trump likes him, therefore we can we can, you know, move that cloud of trust over to anybody that Donald Trump likes. Okay. Trust Sessions was one. That's don't hear that much anymore. Trust John Bolton. Right. Where where is where does the trust line begin and end? Just putting it out there as a thought exercise
3: before, uh, it's fundamentally false. He was not there on a diplomatic vision trying to resolve a problem. I know there's been some story that he was there uh, representing a Saudi peace deal. I've spoken to
1: him. <laughs> See, I find that funny. Not so much that it's clearly false that uh, Soleimani was there representing a Saudi peace deal, although I suspect it probably is false. I find it funny because I don't know why anybody would entertain the idea that the Saudis would sign a peace deal. <laughs> Like the Soleimani aspect of that story isn't the isn't the confronting one for me. The confronting one is wait, Saudis wanted to declare peace on somebody. When did that happen? What the fuck is going on there? Are they sick? Are they ill? Do they have the flu? Have they taken the flu?
3: <laughs> my Saudi counterparts at great length. I'll leave to them what the contents of their messages may be, but I can assure you uh, that they will share my view that he was not there representing uh, some kind of agreement that was going to reduce risk or reduce the risk to the lives of Americans when he was on that trip. Uh, your, your last piece was about uh, cultural sites.
1: Um, <clears throat> pardon me. Blazy DB in the chat asks, how is Russia and China going to get oil because the 52 targets must include that? Fine. But th- the thing about an oil field is once, once you hit it with a, a missile, it's not dead forever. Right? Oil is oil's in the ground. An oil field is just the shit on top of the ground which extracts it. So once you knock out an oil field, it doesn't mean you knock out the oil. The oil's still there. Somebody just has to come along and build a new uh, you know, machine to get it out of the ground. It, it's, it doesn't go away. You know what I mean? So what you do when you knock out an oil field is you temporarily um, hamper somebody's fuel production. It doesn't permanently affect them. If you want to permanently hamper somebody's fuel production, you have to keep hitting it constantly or engage in regime change so again looking you know two three four levels beyond where we are now if the object is to never let certain people get in charge of the oil field then the only way you're going to be able to do that is by either launching a missile into it every time they build a new one or if you don't want to do that anymore because you might be under political pressure for launching missiles into other countries then you have to do regime change And then what we know from past experience, you know, people want to talk about past experience. Let's talk about past experience. What we know from past experience is the puppets we install eventually cut the strings and then they say, fuck you, America. Thanks for installing me. Now, fuck off. I'm going to control the oil and I'm going to get rich and I'm going to do my own wars. Thank you for coming. Thank you for playing. Thanks for giving me the job. I I accept the job of leader of this little principality of this little kingdom. Now I'm cutting the strings. I'm taking the oil and you can fuck off. That's generally what happens. Not generally what happens. It is what happens (laughs) over and over and over and over and over again.
3: I said on Sunday, I will reiterate it again. uh, Every target that's being reviewed, every uh, effort that's being made will always be conducted inside the International Laws of (laughs) War.
1: I have to laugh. (laughs) <laughs> wait so <laughs> sorry again because someone someone hit me up on twitter the other day uh because i made the argument about international law on the trust of verify show remember i said well, okay so we are going to ignore international law yes fuck international law i'm like okay we can do that but then we can't just then we can't demand of other people that they follow international law And then somebody, quite rightly, got in touch with me and, like, clarified and said uh, their opinion was international law is bullshit. We don't have to follow it, so fuck it. I'm like, okay, okay, if that's what we want. Again, I'm not saying the right or wrong. I'm not saying good or bad. I don't do that. I'm like, what is and what is not? And then, of course, like fucking clockwork, Pompeo comes out and says, oh, we're going to follow international law, by the way. (laughs) Fucking make up your mind, man. Why? Why? On what planet should I believe that? And people say you don't have to follow. Do, do you see how he's doing the exact same thing that the Iranian foreign minister was doing? The Iranian foreign minister was saying, um, "Well, you know, there will be a, there will possibly be a retaliation, but uh, you know, we aren't going to have anything to do with it. We're not going to uh, instigate any kind of retaliation. There may be retaliations, but we're certainly not going to be responsible for it." And then Mike Pompeo comes out and says, you know, whilst, whilst on one hand we are saying and acting in direct contradiction to international law, uh, we're going to follow international law. So anything that we do, don't worry, it's going to be lawful. Anybody who says otherwise is a terrorist sympathizer and a communist. <laughs> you got to laugh. You better get your laughs in. You better get your laughs in. I don't know if you're going to be laughing so much in the next few days or the next coming weeks or the next couple of months. I don't know. I have no idea. Hopefully we can. We better be. Otherwise, this is going to become a very boring show very quickly. More so.
3: seen it. I've, I've worked on this, uh, this project, uh, and I'm very confident of that. David um,
0: Thank you. Um, this is yes, actually, sir. Um, uh, it, it's an election year, and uh, you're now facing two nuclear-related crises um, in, uh, with, with, with Iran and uh, North Korea. Are, are, are you optimistic about uh, resolving either of those without them sort of blowing up, at so to speak, at uh, inopportune moments? And on the Iran front,
1: Iran's breakout time when you came into office was considered to be about a year. Is it
0: now longer or shorter?
3: I'll leave it to the intelligence team to talk to you about the details of uh, of Iran's breakout time for the moment. Uh, But President Trump could not be more clear. Uh, On our watch, Iran will not get a nuclear weapon. And as we came into office, Iran was on a pathway uh, that had been provided by the nuclear deal, which clearly gave them the opportunity to have those nuclear weapons. We won't let that happen.
1: We hope. Can't guarantee it. You can't guarantee it. Again, like like so many people have been telling me over the last few days, if a country wants to do something bad enough, they'll find a way to do it. Clearly, knocking out their generals doesn't stop them, because now they're firing rockets back. So, Plan B, I guess. Under our watch, they're not going to get a nuclear weapon under our watch. So they're under your watch now. Oh, it's a very different strategy to the. <laughs> so see, this is this is directly again. I have to stress and like I you know I don't want uh, Iran necessarily to have nuclear weapons either but we're missing the broader point here this is directly now feeding into regime change right people who are saying right now that there is absolutely no way that we're going to do regime change are kidding themselves because you can't if you're going if you're going to say we draw lines in the sand that must not be crossed what happens when the people cross them so what happens when Iran starts moving towards nuclear weapons if they don't have them already? I'm not even convinced that they don't. But just say they don't. What happens if they start... What happens when the government of Iran comes out and says, we're going to get nuclear weapons, stop us? Then all of a sudden, the that we will not have regime change line will become we must have regime change. And I'm going to be the guy that's all alone here Sticking my hand up saying, hang on, we said that there's not going to be regime change. And the same people will come out and say, fuck you, you're a terrorist sympathizer, they can't have nukes, they're evil, we have to do it. And I'm like, hang on, I'm only holding you to the standard that you had. You're the guy who told me that there will not be regime change. That we don't do regime change anymore. And you're, you're, at that point, you will turn 180 degrees completely on that promise. You will turn 180 degrees completely on that statement. And you will start pointing the gun at me and saying, we have to have regime change and you better come with us. And you're going to pretend like that's what it was all along, just like we've done in the last week. The same dance will occur again. I don't for a second suspect anything but if it gets to that. So when you come out and say to a state like Iran, under our watch, you will not get nukes. Okay, fine. What if they say, fuck you? Then what? And people saying, oh, well, they all die. Great. But what happened to no regime change? All of a sudden, it's going to have to be regime change, isn't it? Because otherwise they're going to do it. And then when it becomes regime change, don't come to me and say, oh, it was always about regime change. We just have to have regime change. Because I'm going to bring up clip after clip after clip after clip after clip after clip clip of you fucks saying that it was never about regime change. It's not going to be about regime change. Because I'll be forced, I'll be compelled to do it. To defend myself to say no i'm not i'm not the one that's flip-flopping here i'm not the arsehole here you are <laughs> i'm going to have to do it what can i say see and i get it i like i i get it i like the idea of drawing a line in the sand i i like the idea uh, uh, barack obama was an international joke for not holding people to the line. Everybody knew it. It was only Democrat voters in the United States who did not recognise Barack Obama as an international joke. Truth. 100% truth. But the thing is, when you draw lines, you have to follow through. So you can't, on the one hand, say that there's not going to be regime change, And then draw a line and say, under our watch, this country will not do X or else. What do you think the or else means? If they are committed to the cause, or else is going to have to break your first promise. So that's why I say don't make the promise in the first place. Don't lie to people. (laughs) Because then you're lying and you're telling me that it's the truth. And then we're right. We're right in the middle of the 1984 Orwellian dystopia that we all claim to be against. We're at war, but we're not at war. We believe in regime change, but this 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 uh, government's got to go. We're getting out, but we need to stay in. One after another, and maybe people don't care. I don't care. Maybe people don't give a fuck, which is fine. Again, if this is what you want, this is what you want. I'm not even saying that it's wrong. I'm just saying don't pretend like it's something else and expect me to believe you because I can't. Don't tell me that it's something else and expect me to go along with it. I can't do that. It's not in my nature. I identify problems. Not find solutions. If you want a problem, it's saying one thing and doing the other. That's a problem. Do you think the Iranians are so stupid? Here's another question for you. If you really love Donald Trump, you really, really like Donald, how stupid do you think other countries are? If you really, really, really like Donald Trump, do you not suspect that Iran is going to try and do a tit-for-tat thing in the lead-up to the 2020 election in order to try and hurt Donald Trump's election chances? Do you not think that they know uh, what's going on in the United States right now? Do you not think that they know, you know, do you not think that they get polling data? Do you not think that they get data over there? Right? Do you not think that they're going to try and use Donald Trump's um, election coming up in 2020 as some kind? Whether it's successful or not is a different question. But do you not think that they're going to use the election as some kind of tool, as some kind of weapon? Of course they are. They're going to try and look for weak spots. This is what people do. Why should they play nice? They're not going to play nice with you. Whatever gave you that idea? Nobody's guaranteeing like victory. No one's guaranteeing that this will all end well with like rainbows and pots of gold at the end of the rainbow. Anybody trying to sell you that is, is pissing in your face. They're They're lying to you. It is going to, there are going to be difficult things that occur. There is going to be pressure. There is going to be incidents. And when you make ultimatums, there are going to be people in the world who want to push you. It's just human nature. Tim in the chat makes a great point. They have never played nice. Exactly. Exactly. I, I don't know why people thought taking out one general was just going to all of a sudden snap a whole country out of brinkmanship. Where on earth did you get that idea? That's fantasy. <laughs> I don't I don't want to do fantasy. I, I couldn't believe people were saying it to me. Oh, no, no, we took out that general, so it's all good it's all good now. they're not going to do anything. And I'm sitting here going, why, why do you believe that? Oh, because now they know that they're going to get in trouble if they do stuff. They've always known that. They don't care. <laughs> they don't care. You're talking about suicide bombers, for fuck's sake. <laughs> right? Let's carry on with a little bit more, Mike. I'm having too much fun.
3: Uh, as for the first question, which was more broadly, what President Trump laid out, his national security strategy, with respect to both North Korea and Iran, is the plan that we have executed, the strategy, strategy. we have executed for this. Uh, past three years uh, we have put Iran in a place that it has never been before really uh, where they've had to make some very difficult choices choices about how to uh, pay for and underwrite their proxy militias around the region uh, whether and how to build out their missile program this is a flip from where we were eight years before it's mm-hmm. not political previous okay. administration made a different choice okay they chose to underwrite and appease we have chosen to confront and contain.
1: Uh, you, you plan to contain you plan to contain. We haven't chosen to confront and contain. We've chosen to confront and and hope to contain. Like, I like the use of language here, but I mean, once you see it, you can't unsee it. Just because you say it doesn't mean it's going to happen. You can't just talk things into reality. And I mean, it was only an hour ago that people are sending me stuff on Twitter. And I appreciate that. Thank you so much. People sending me stuff on Twitter about uh, rockets hitting Iraqi bases with Americans in it. So I guess the containment part hasn't kicked in yet. I, I, I mean, you know, just because politicians say things doesn't mean you have to agree with them. You're allowed to be sceptical. And like I said yesterday, the whole system is is predicated on the pretense that we are sceptical. That's our job. We're supposed to be sceptical. We're not supposed to just believe things. If we were just supposed to believe things, then we wouldn't even have elections in the first place. It is what it is. It is what it is, I'm afraid. I don't know. This has basically been like a two-hour... This episode is basically a write-off now. This has been like a two-hour rant. <laughs> so thank you for joining us. Um, I don't even... I, like, I, I understand that the majority of the audience is uh, well against me on this, and if, if nobody comes back tomorrow, then I guess so be it. But like I said at the start, I just have to be honest with you. I have to if I'm not then it's not worth doing sorry there's there's plenty of other um, podcasts out there and there's plenty of other live streams that will um, align 100% with your own personal views and by all means you know if if you're more comfortable with that if you enjoy that more then that's exactly what you should be investing your time in I feel gr- very grateful that people invest their time in this podcast but I don't take it for granted I don't expect anybody to continue to be here if they don't want to be here. So, you know, if that's the way it's going to be, that's the way it's going to be. If you're planning on writing me a Twitter DM and saying something like, "Um, I used to really like you, but you're wrong on this unless you change your mind. I'm not listening anymore. Then you may as well delete the link now because that's not how this is going to work. I'm going to be, I'm going to continue to be, you know, who I am, and then let the chips fall where they may. So I don't know if you got anything out of this or not. Maybe you did, maybe you didn't. It wasn't the show that I was planning for, if that that is worth anything to you. I was actually planning something different. So I'll probably do something a little bit different tomorrow night, not this. (laughs) So I'll probably jump off now and, and run out there and watch the news and see what the fuck's going on. I won't believe a single word I'm being told, but at least I'll get some footage and some quotes that I can uh, possibly uh, make fun of tomorrow night. So that, that's, that's, well, at least uh, maybe I'll get that, hopefully. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. If you'd like to become a supporter of the show, please head over to patreon.com forward slash boogie bumper. Become a subscriber by hitting the subscribe button on your preferred podcast player. And of course, if you would like to tell me one last time that you'll never be back, then you can do so by following me on Twitter at boogie bumper. Thank you to everybody who contributed on D-Lives and Streamlabs. Thank you so much for your uh, ongoing support. Please don't forget to follow our friends at RealPersonPLTCS, at ChrisMC44, at YCensored, uh, at WinningTV, who I always forget and I always feel guilty, uh, Phil D'Angelo, the Yankee, uh, at WinningTV, at UK Neil, and anybody else. Uh, thanks so much for joining us on this edition of The Daily Boogie. Until tomorrow night, ladies and gentlemen, 6 p.m., I'll see you then. Until then, stay calm, stay rational, or at least try to, because everybody's going to be trying to make you think irrational thoughts between now and then, I suspect. But do your best to, to stay rational. God bless.
0: <laughs>
1: Thank you for the diamond on the way out. Why well, sense it? <laughs> Until tomorrow night, ladies and gentlemen, stay calm, stay rational. God bless, and we'll see you soon. Bye-bye. Yes, the chest. I'll open the chest now. Sorry, forgot the chest.